Delays the ball. Hoskin Elliott. Main. The Giants, a gutsy win. Their first of the season, led by their skipper, who bagged five. Big week for the Collingwood Footy Club. Plenty of negative press on Nathan Buckley, the players, the list management team, all in the firing line following that disastrous performance against GWS on a Saturday night. We'll go through and evaluate that game and look to what needs to be improved upon and what changes may be made ahead of the big clash against West Coast over in Perth on Friday night. Crowd enjoyed it. Difficult angle for Magin. It's a good finish. It's a wonderful finish. Imagine loves it. If we look back on Saturday night's five-goal loss, 14-6-90 to 9-6-60, I think a lot of us would probably want to just forget about that and move on and not recall that game ever again. But I think it's important to think about the fact that that could be a line-in-the-sand game for the Collingwood Football Club and really be a crucial point in our season. I spoke about last week, how there are no excuses going into that game. And from here, 1-3, and three, 14th on the ladder. It's going to be you know, a really tough matchup this Friday night against West Coast. But even if we don't win uh, Friday night's matchup, and I'll, I'll go through that on the next segment, but even if we don't win that, you've got to find a response to that. And if we don't, there's going to be some real issues if there aren't real issues already. And as I said, a line, a line in the sand game, that one on Saturday night, where do we go from here? Can we turn it around and, and get back to some kind of really good form and challenge for the eight first and foremost and then potentially look forward uh, above that. But if we don't and if we can't, then Nathan Buckley's in some real trouble and if we continue down this this line of really poor performances, then uh, there's going to be some change had at the footy club either in season or, uh, or at the end of the season. So a, a big game in terms of just where the direction of this club goes, but it's hard to actually remember a more disappointing loss uh, for the Collingwood Football Club in, in recent memory. Even if I just go back to, to last season, I don't remember any games as disappointing as this one. If you look back, we were competitive in most games of footy, and even the couple of blowout losses we had, if we if we look at the, uh, the semi-final against Geelong, for example, I was disappointed in that night because I thought we were actually matched up pretty well against Geelong. We'd beaten them early in the season. But looking back on that, the boys gave so much to get that nail-biting win over the Eagles over in Perth the week before, and it was just a classic case of absolutely ran out of petrol tickets in that in that Geelong game. We, we just ran out of petrol tickets, and I think, as disappointing as it was, the, the enjoyment we got out of the week before and beating the Eagles by a point over there, I think it was better than just losing to the Eagles, so... I wasn't overly disappointed because it was clear we just put so much in to that trip over to Perth and, and getting that win and grinding out that win that we just had nothing left against Geelong. And if you look at the other big loss we had last season against West Coast, when I think we lost by 66 points uh, around 8, 7 or 8, somewhere around that, I think. Uh, if you look at that loss, I mean... I don't never want to give excuses, but there are reasons for why particular performances happen. And the uh, the West Coast game last year, we were just really down on injuries. 
We'd been in Perth for for a couple of weeks. Uh, I think the boys were just, you know, getting over that kind of thing. And, and as I said, we had the injury issues. Pendles was late out literally two minutes before the game. So things just didn't really fall into place or go right for us. And the other thing is when you come up against, you know, West Coast over in Perth, you're not expected to win necessarily. So, yes, it's disappointing to get blown out and lose by 11, 12 goals. But you are, you know, in the bookies' minds expected to lose and same with the the Geelong loss in the semi final. The Cats were favourite going into that game, but if we look at Saturday night's game, I spoke about it on last week's episode. We were clear favourites. I think dollar twenty three, maybe like really short price favourites. There were no excuses. You're coming up against a team depleted on injuries, depleted <clears throat> in confidence, being zero and three to to begin the season. You're at home at the MCG. You're coming off a nine day break. The opposition's coming off a six day break. There's just there's no excuses for the performance that was dished up on Saturday night. And I want to give some credit to the Giants. They were they were good, and they seem like they may be a bit of a bogey team for us now, given the 2019 prelim. They beat us by two points last year, and obviously the performance on Saturday night. But we were just beaten all over the ground in all aspects, and that was the, the disappointing thing is all three games – prior uh, to that one on Saturday night, there at least been something. I thought round one, I thought our defense was pretty good in terms of holding up against uh, the Dogs' onslaught, and our forward line was okay with limited opportunity. Round two was obviously our best performance of the season, being the Blues. And round three, we led for majority of the game uh, against uh, against the Lions and obviously got pipped after the siren against a, a pretty decent team. But on, yeah, on Saturday night, nothing went right for us. We really... Never looked like it. Uh, there was a patch there, I guess, late in the third quarter where they got out to 27 points and we kicked three straight goals and brought it back to 10 points. But we had a, a biggest lead of two points in the first quarter for the game and the Giants led throughout for the rest of it. So nothing nothing really went right. There was no area on the ground where I thought we won. I mean, if you look at the defence, which has been the staple of the Collingwood Footy Club over the past few years, we conceded 14 goals. Now, to put that in perspective, we only conceded... 14 or more goals in three games last season. Now, albeit, yes, shorter quarters, but, you know, we, we pride ourselves on not getting scored against. And if we're going to win games, you know, we, we grind out games. As I said before, our forward line's not, that, not good enough, I don't think, to really blow teams away. But if we win games, it's usually winning, you know, 70 to 60, 80 to 70, that kind of thing. We don't concede 14 goals. We just don't do it. It's, it's been super rare over the past couple of years. So to concede 14 goals is really disappointing. Uh, if you look at the midfield, again, it's, I don't want to sound like a, a broken record, but Brody Grundy, I thought Grundy, he's, he, previous two weeks before that against Brisbane and Carlton were absolutely outstanding. He got back to the Grundy that's you know worth the million dollars a season. But if we go back to, uh, to Saturday night, that was a real step back in the wrong direction, I thought. You're coming up against Shane Mumford, who, I mean, the guy retired three or four years ago. <laughs> he retired three or four years ago. He's really on his last legs, as it is for an AFL footballer. And I thought that's the perfect opportunity for, for Brody Grundy to again dominate and, and really steer Collingwood in the right direction and hopefully over the line for a win. And, I mean, he started to get involved in the last quarter when Mummy was just clearly out on his feet. And as uh, I spoke about with the loss to Geelong last week, how the team, sorry, the, the loss to Geelong in the semi final last year, how we were out of petrol tickets in that one. Well, Shane Mumford was completely out of petrol tickets in that last quarter against Brody Grundy. But if you look at it, yes, Grundy still had his 20 possessions, had his 42 hit outs. The stat line looks okay. 
but he should have dominated a lot more against the uh, the opponent there in Shane Mumford. And if you look at the stats from a team perspective, as I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record too much, but the fact that the fact is that we have the mo- one of the more dominant ruckmen in terms of hitouts in the league. Yet that doesn't translate to clearances from a midfield aspect. As I said, 40, 42 hitouts to Grundy, 44 for the team in total to 18. So that's a, a clear advantage there. 44 hitouts to 18, yet the clearances went to the Giants 36 to 32, and the center clearances went to the Giants 15 11. They just they just beat us up around the ball as well. The contested possessions 150 to 135, and not only that, they just beat us on the spread as well. 241 uncontested possessions to 202. Even despite the more possessions that they had, we had more turnovers, 84 to 81. It's just nothing really went right. They, uh, they just dominated all around the ground, really. Our forward line, I mean, I give credit to the midfield one perspective. We did actually have more inside 50s at the end of the day. Yet that obviously showed that uh, the cohesion between the midfield and the forward line was really went back to... Jeez, a number of years ago, really, I'm thinking like the 2016, 2015 to 27 kind of Collingwood Football Club, where we were competitive enough to to get the ball inside forward 50 regularly enough, but the cohesion between the midfield and the forward line just wasn't there. And 52 inside 50s, nine goals, six, just 15 scoring shots is a really, a really poor effort, really, and it's been an issue now for you know quite a while. The last, the last couple of years, last season, and, and to begin this season, is apart from that Carlton game, the uh, the cohesion between the midfield and the forward line has just been really disappointing, and it's it makes me think now that you know where where does this go? Where how do we get out of this? Because I look at the forward line, and I think where who's who's the winner for us up there? Who's standing up every week and saying I'm I'm doing my bit? I'm kicking you know three or four that kind of thing. It's just and again it goes down to the list management team and and the issues that they've been presented and failed to fix over a number of years. We haven't had that genuine key forward that teams need to to build a forward line around in the past few years. We've had to makeshift a little bit with Mason Cox and Brody Majek and then just run with a bunch of small to medium players, which worked fine in 2018, and it looked like that might... uh, that might be a nice way to go, but ultimately the forward line has not been potent enough in the last couple of seasons. It's been you know, an inability to hit the scoreboard, and we've had to rely on the defense to try and win games and win them in really dour, low-scoring contests. So... I don't know where, you know, you can't really, you can't really, there's no personnel, I don't think, that you can bring in there that is really going to make a major difference. I mean, Darcy Cameron's been playing well in the VFL, whether they bring him back, especially to double-team Nick Nat this weekend, I'll, I'll go through it in a second, but there's who, who are you bringing in? Who are you bringing in? And the problem is, I spoke about the week before, that the forward pressure just isn't there, and neither's the crumbing. And so if the ball is coming to ground and our and our forwards aren't marking it, which is happening regularly because the cohesion's not there, then what's what's our game plan? What, where are we at? Where are we at? And it's just unfortunate that it took a, a first gamer to actually lead the way in providing pressure and and doing the things, doing the little things that you need to do as a small to medium forward inside forward fifty. And that was probably one of the few positives of the night was. Bo McCreary, he came in, look, he didn't set the world on fire offensively, he kicked a goal with his first kick, that was fantastic, but at least he, he did something, he, at least he did something, and that was the defensive side, he led the 
that led the club with eight tackles on, on Saturday night. So at least he provided and showed something and provided some real intent and vigour at the contest, which unfortunately there are a lot of senior players in that team that you couldn't say the same about. So it's a real line in the sand game, I thought, that between defence, midfield, forward, just beaten all over the ground. We were probably lucky that it was five goals, to be honest. It blew out a little bit late, but... Yeah, it's. I think five goals. Probably looking at it was was about right. I thought GWS played uh, well enough to win by five goals, if not more. But at the same time, I thought we hung around when we really shouldn't have. You know, the margin was only less than a couple of goals early in that last quarter. So overall, a, a really disappointing performance. One that, yeah, I, I can't really think back to a more disappointing loss. The losses that we have had previously, we either. You know, we very, very rarely get blown out, and if we do, you know, it's against a very, very, very good team in West Coast and Geelong in that semi final. So, just to lose by five goals against a team that I think is bottom six this year really proves to me that this team is in a really bad spot, and if we don't get out of it, we'll be a bottom six team ourselves. So, next up, I'll have a look at what changes, both from a game plan standpoint and a personal standpoint, ahead of uh, Friday night's clash against West Coast. The siren's going to sound. They've won it. The unwinnable game. Collingwood have won it. How good was that? An elimination final I had absolutely no expectation of getting a result out of, but uh, coming away with the one-point win was, as I spoke about before, a great win for the footy club. And although the next week was disappointing, it was almost worth the uh, the joy that we got on that night over in Perth. But similar to that game, I go into this Friday night's game with very, very little expectation as well. Coming off a six-day break, having to travel over there, and as poor as, poor as our form has been uh, over the four rounds of this season so far, we've had a pretty healthy injury list, and unfortunately that has uh, also gone uh, down the gurgler as well, really, given Taylor Adams will miss up to 10 weeks with uh, an MCL injury. Darcy Moore, it's been reported, is battling Achilles soreness. Braden Sire was subbed out of, uh, of the game with Gastro. A really weird one, that one. I don't know what the go was there, how he was fit enough to play and start the game, but then got subbed out in the third quarter with an illness. It just seemed a bit bizarre to me, but anyway. Uh, and Jordan Ngoi and Steel Sidebottom also had uh, scans, I believe, earlier in the week, but were cleared of any major injury and should line up. In terms of what I want to see on Friday nights, I just want to see something positive, something we can really hold our hat on, I guess, as as supporters, because if we go into this game with the clear uh, the expectation of winning, then uh, and the result of uh, of our thoughts being on the win loss perspective of it, then I think we're going to come out of this game thoroughly disappointed. But if we look at it from a standpoint of it would be great to get the win, but uh, but let's just look at it from what can we salvage, well, not salvage out of this game, but get out of this game. For, for weeks ahead, for the rest of the season and, and beyond. And I think if you look at it from a, a personnel standpoint, we know that Finlay McRae is locked in to debut this week. I think it's come at least a week too early. He should have played last week, but it is what it is. It's certainly, it seems like it's got to a point now that 
he's only get, got a game because of Taylor Adams' injury. I don't think that's the case, but it kind of, with Adams going out now, it almost looks like that, which is slightly disappointing because I think he should just be in the team anyway. But we know he's going to play. We know McCreary's going to stay in. I thought he was a really bright really bright spot from an otherwise really uh, dark performance on, uh, on Saturday night. So he'll definitely stay in. Any other guys? Poulter. Uh, McGuinness is coming back from that injury. Uh, Ollie Henry, does he get a look in again? I don't think so. I think we're getting into a, a hard situation here where Bucks is fighting for his job. And the best way to keep your job as an AFL coach is to win games of football. And unfortunately, if if we keep going like we have in terms of the team selection, we're going to get to a standpoint where we, we have to question whether Bucks is sacrificing the future of the footy club in order to save his own job. And, and it's a clear standpoint of, well, let's try and win games of footy now. Let's play the senior guys. We'll try and win games of footy. And therefore, you know, Bucks keeps his job. Or is it sacrifice a few wins now, potentially sacrificing Bucks as a, as a head coach of our footy club, uh, in order to develop these young guys who could potentially be the figures of our next premiership tilt. So it's a tough one, but I think we've got to try and get the balance right. And clearly at this stage, we've been playing the senior guys and we've still been losing games of footy. So as I said last week, I, I don't think we've really got anything much to lose by bloodying a couple of these young guys. And I'm glad McRae's in this week. I, as I said last week, he should have played. Uh, he should have he should have been in that team last week, but it is what it is. We can't do anything about that now. But he will play this week. I'm thoroughly looking forward to that. And he should get a really good opportunity through the midfield with Adams not there. With Adams out now, our midfield looks really depleted. And we always look at it and think, how are we getting smashed in the midfield? We've got we've got a good midfield. Well, with Trelaw being traded, with Phillips being traded. Even you know someone like Stevenson, who could have ran through there, Jamie Ellett being out injured, he was the player that could have ran through the midfield. We're really kind of poaching guys from different positions to actually run through the midfield now. Jack Crisp is one to come to mind. Jack Madgen. I thought Jack Madgen, along with McCreary, was a positive from last week. I thought he, it was probably his best game for the footy club. He had a heap of the ball. He had a, a, a nice goal there in the second quarter, I believe it was, from the boundary line. Uh, so I thought... I thought he played well, and he was actually pushed up on to a wing and given greater responsibility and opportunity. So we're, we're starting to pluck. We've, we've gone from a situation where our midfield's a massive strength and one of the best in the comp to now actually having to pull players from different positions to play through there and give us a different look. And now, obviously, blooding the youth in Finlay McRae, who I think should get a reasonable opportunity throughout the midfield, a reasonable opportunity at centre-bounds attendances. And what is there to lose, really? Like... Yes, we could lose this game of footy, but we're likely going to lose the game anyway. So let's see what these guys like Finlay and McRae can provide. And then hopefully that's a real springboard for the rest of the season, getting wins like we should against Essen last week. I'm not saying we necessarily tank this game because it sounds like I'm almost going down that theory. We don't. We still try and win the game of footy, but it's about giving opportunity to these, these young guys to see what they've got. And if they've got something, then that's a huge bonus and a huge positive for the footy club and for for us as fans. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to, as I said, uh, seeing Finlay McRae go about. If he's anywhere as good as his brother, then we've got a great player on our hands, that's for sure. And I remember last week, Jack McRae came out and actually said his his brother's probably a better player uh, at that age than than he was. So if that's the case, Jack McRae 
always been a great player for the Dogs ever since he came into the AFL system. So if we get anywhere near that with Finlay McRae, then we're going to be on to a good one, Pies fans, that's for sure. In terms of other changes, I spoke about Darcy Cameron before. He's been good in the VFL. I just have an issue with why why we're playing Darcy Cameron. Are we playing it in a defensive role? Are we playing it to negate... Uh, the the West Coast tall defenders and their interceptability like Jeremy McGovern, like Tom Barris, who are really good in those situations. Are we doing that from that point of view? Are we doing it to chop up, chop out Grundy and help him against Nick Nat? Well, I'm here to say if we have to get to a situation where we have to bring in a second ruckman to help Grundy against Nick Nat, we're in real trouble. And Grundy's in real trouble because Grundy's on $1 million a season. Other clubs should be bringing in two ruckmen to negate him, not the other way around. That's a really really defensive, negative view to take if we're going to have to chop out Grundy, who's on a million dollars a season, to help negate Nick Natanui. Like that's, that's just the way it is. That's that's a really negative way of thinking about it. So from that perspective, I, I don't want to see Cameron play, I don't think. I just think the structure, even though the structure currently hasn't been working, I think the... Uh, the structure is just to help the ball movement. And I think having a forward down there, I think we're so... We have so many issues with players, you know, midfielders looking up and, and ignoring leads to kick to Mason Cox uh, at a, in a one-on-one or a one-on-two or something like that in, in a contest. I think if you bring in another 200-centimetre bloke, then that just exacerbates the issue and people, players will refuse to uh, honour leads even more and will just look up and see Mason Cox and or Darcy Cameron forward and just kick it in their direction. So I don't think the structure can be helped out by bringing another 200-centimetre guy in there to partner Mason Cox and Brody Mychek. And at the same time, I don't think neither of them deserve to be dropped for Darcy Cameron. So, as you know, Cameron might have been good in the VFL, but I just don't think it's his time at the moment or his, or the time for for Bucks to bring him in uh, and see what happens against the Eagles. I just, I just don't subscribe to... To that theory, to be honest, uh, other changes I, I don't see too many because the Bucks, as I said before, will still want to ride with this group and see see what they can do. And if Taylor Adams is the only one to to be out with injury, then clearly I think the only in would be McRae. Whether Greenwood comes into starting twenty two potentially for Braden Sire, that's that's a definite possibility. But outside of that, I mean, the issue is we've been playing really poorly, but this is. The best, the best lineup we could potentially see. The outs I had last week: uh, Callum Brown and uh, Will Hoskin Elliott. I think I'd still probably like to see Callum Brown out for someone. Maybe it's Ollie Henry. Maybe I don't know if playing him, McCreary and McRae, uh is is going down the youth path too much. But in saying that, you look at the Sydney Swans. You look at. Essendon. So Sydney have Goulden, they have Campbell, they have Logan McDonald, who are all first-year players performing really well. That's that's a trio there. If you look at Essendon with uh, Nick Cox, Archie Perkins, Harry Jones, that's a trio there in their first years of AFL footy. Why can't you have three young blokes in the team and still you know, provide a competitive effort and potentially win games of AFL footy like the Swans are at the moment? That game between the Swans and Essendon last Thursday night was one of the most exciting games of footy I've seen because there was so much young talent going around. And yes, there were mistakes made. And yes, it wasn't necessarily the most high-scoring game of footy, but it was just exciting to see what some of these young guys could do, particularly Nick Cox, who I thought was 
absolutely just looks like an insane, insane talent out in the wing, 200 centimetres, can run like the wind, but I, I won't go into that too much because it takes away from the Collingwood Footy Club, but I think we got to look at those two teams and just think, let's play these, we can play three young guys, we can play McCreary, McRae and Henry together and still be a competitive outfit that can win games of footy. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. So, you know, I think I've spoken or talked myself into it. I think McRae and Henry, potentially Greenwood, in for Sire, uh, Adams, and probably Callum Brown. The issue with Will Hoskin Elliott, everyone's been calling for the accident of Will Hoskin Elliott for ages now. The problem is, Bucks hasn't dropped him up until now, and I thought his second half last week was probably the best half of footy I've seen him play for... Jeez, a good 18 months, potentially. He had 12 disposals, two goals in the second half. He was absolutely deplorable in that first half. It was actually uh, noted on, on Fox footy during the broadcast at the start of the third quarter that he really, really needed to lift. I think he had two or three possessions in the first half. Credit to him, he did. He had 12 possessions, two goals. I thought it was his best half of footy for quite some time. And so, given that, I don't think you can necessarily drop a guy who you've refused to drop up until now. I don't think you can drop him on the back of his you know best half of footy in quite some time. So I don't think he'll go out. I just want to see some, you know, moves made, uh, you know, on field more than anything rather than necessarily personnel-wise. As I said, I think uh, Greenwood, Henry, and McRae in for Adam, Sire, and Callum Brown would probably be my moves. Uh, but from a team standpoint, I've said it for the whole season now, I don't know why Josh Dacos is playing, you know, a half-forward role. I just I want the ball in his hands as much as possible. I know that his class and nous around goal is is something that can certainly add to the forward line, but the ball's not going in there with any quality. And if you get him up the ground, if you get him up onto the wing, heck, even with Adams out, give him some centre bounce time. I think he's capable. We don't know yet. Well, we do know he had you know as our most improved player last season playing on a wing, but. Put him through through the wing and through you know centre bounce attendances and stoppages. See what he's got because I think he's one of our talent, most talented young players and he's played what around fifty games now. Like he's experienced enough to now provide that opportunity to him. And I just think you know moving him back forward it just completely lost the you know improvement that he had in his game last season. He needs he needs to be a player that you know gets the ball in his hands and can deliver up forward because he's one of the few players that has the class and skill level to uh, to honour leads and use his kicking skills on both sides of his body to great effect. So I think we need to see that. Another thing I was disappointed with, just get your, get your matchups right, I think, is, is the big thing in the coach's box. And obviously they know more than I do, but I thought it was just a really clear matchup to make was... Uh, Braden Maynard to Toby Green last week. It, I was astounded when I saw Isaac Quainer go on to Toby Green. I love Isaac Quainer. I think, along with Dacos, they're you know, two of our most talented young players who have now played a fair bit of senior footy. But he's not he's not the guy who I would have sent to Toby Green. I know Braden Maynard's played on Toby Green in the past. I know Toby Green's kicked some goals on him in the past, but those battles have always been so exciting. And Braden Maynard's more than held his own. I just... I didn't understand. I didn't understand why Isaac Quainer played on Toby Green. And it also took Bucks a long time to actually take Quainer off him. So although I you know, stress about giving these young guys more opportunity and more uh, responsibility, you don't need to do it in a way that is actually a detriment 
to their own development and their own and, and the team more for that matter because you know some of these guys are, are known for for playing certain roles and yes you can change things up but Braden Maynard's always played on Toby Green the last couple of years and he's always held his own yes Toby kicks his goals he's going to do that against everyone I love absolutely love Toby Green uh, I'm probably one of the rare people that do I love the way he goes about it I think he's a fantastic footballer I think he's GWS's best player clearly and he kicked five goals last week and that was a difference in the game so I just I don't know I can't understand why uh, Isaac Quain played on Toby Green is a weird one, but that's the kind of thing again. Where, please, why why would you send Isaac Quainer to Liam Ryan? Just Braden Maynard is the best small defender in that team. Send send him to Liam Ryan, who's the most dangerous small forward for the West West Coast Eagles. In terms of those key forward key defender matchups, they're going to be interesting. I'm assuming Roughhead, who's been pretty good the last couple of weeks. I'm assuming he will go to Josh Kennedy. Darcy Moore will probably go to Jack Darling or Oscar Allen. Uh, either of those two. So. Yeah, well, I think you'll see more probably go to Darling and then how to Oscar Allen would probably be the way to go. But, look, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I don't have too many high expectations, but I do want to see a better performance. I want to see a competitive performance against a really good team who are very hard to beat over there. And they'll be smarting after their loss to the Saints where they were themselves five goals up last week. So, yeah, looking, looking forward to it. I just want to see some positives. Looking forward to the debut of... Uh, Finlay McRae, looking forward to some further development from uh, from Bo McCreary, who I thought was an exciting piece out of last week's performance. So thank you guys very much for listening to the this week's episode of the Big Footy Piecast. I'll be back next week. Let's hope for a Pies win. As I said, not too optimistic, but we never know that uh, performance against uh, the Eagles in the elimination final last year is something we can definitely hope to replicate this Friday night. Cheers, guys.